everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Women in Confidence. Thank you for listening. I know you have a lot of choice, but thank you for listening to Women in Confidence, which is the podcast for ambitious working women. So I'm joined this week by Carolyn Bosak, who is a general practitioner, so a GP, and for many years has been in what we call the traditional GP route. But she's recently left the practice of traditional medicine to set up her own business called Your Integrated Health which is focused on integrative and holistic health. Now, I have to say, Carolyn, I've spent a long time rehearsing the word integrative. (laughs) And I was thinking, how else can I get around saying that? Because it's quite a a tongue twister. Mm. But Carolyn specializes in women's health, which is um, amazing for this podcast, athlete management, chronic conditions, and also medicinal cannabis. She's an athlete herself, and she's been up since five o'clock. My time, we're both in Melbourne swimming this time but she trains on a regular basis I'm assuming daily she races in Ironman triathlons and two world championships and she's got a race coming up fairly soon so Carolyn welcome to Women in Confidence thanks for joining me thanks Vanessa great great to to be here and I should say we are both in Melbourne which is lovely because we're in the same time zone which is great and we have met like physically met very very briefly (laughs) very briefly you were called out on on some on business yeah yes yes but we did meet I did I I I saw you uh, your reflection in the mirror I saw your face I went oh I recognize that person (laughs) and that's a major thing for the podcast because most of my guests are North America, Europe. So to actually meet somebody is, yeah. is wonderful. And I, we will meet again for sure. Yes. But I want to start the podcast, Carolyn, by asking you this question. What does having confidence mean to you? Well, look, I won't uh, lie. I did look up what confidence means, even though I've got a sense for what confidence means. And it, you know, it means having faith or assurance in your abilities. And I think, well, yes, you can have uh, faith and assurance in your abilities especially when you've done something for a long time but is that real confidence and to me confidence is actually something a little bit different and it's maybe trying something different doing something new something that you're not necessarily actually confident confident in at the moment and or, or it might be you know having an opinion that stands uh, you apart from others or you know standing up for yourself maybe in a difficult situation so I think for me, confidence is is being able to uh, stand in your truth, stand apart, you know, be open to to looking bad or being open to you know risking failure, but still not letting that discourage you from mm. from being dynamic and moving forward. So yeah, that's what it means to me. And would you describe yourself based on your description of confidence? Would you describe yourself as a confident woman? So very circumscribed. So, you know, in sporting realms, yes, you know, I've had these amazing experiences where, you know, I've gone through uh, athletics cross country, did very well, and then moved into triathlon. And I was a very bad swimmer. So I, you know, I was being rescued by a boat like that's on a regular basis so that's how and and, and it was visibly very bad um you know but that didn't discourage me so I and you know it took me three years I got a coach um after the insistence of someone who saw me keep you know repeating this uh horrible situation and um and, and you know for three years we really worked on my swimming and and I've never looked back and so in that respect I suppose you know yes but then in other areas maybe not so much so 
you know, like say embarking on a new business, you know, I, I just didn't feel like I had any skills or abilities. You know, I've always I've basically worked for for other people for now, you know, for all my working life. Um, so it's basically walk in, walk out. It's been easy street. And to do this has been um, very testing for me. Um, so it's sort of, I've had to learn a lot of new things and I and I did doubt myself. So it was quite amazing. So, um, but I, I did, I had people around me to sort of encourage me to get over those fears. But it really, I, it was interesting to, to see where my brain went. Like I, I never thought that I would have these doubts about myself and um, and then it started to filter in. Well, you know, then I was even doubting that I could even do my job as a doctor and run a business at the same time. And yeah, so. So what were these doubts then about your ability to step into being a founder of your own business? Talk me um, through a bit more about those if you can remember them. So it, it was literally not having any idea about you know in terms of my skills in finances um i just basically i earned i earned money i i so i had i had three separate jobs and uh was a very very hard worker but i could never tell you what was on my pay slips and you know and and a prime example of this was uh when i went to leave my very last job um, and then set up this business, um, I realised I hadn't received a pay slip for six months and, you know, that's that's where it's at. So that's it. If that it sort of describes uh, where my administrative sort of shortfalls are, um, that's that's pretty much uh, uh, where, where I was at. So it was learning a whole realm of even just like even just registering the business and, um, you know, setting up the accounts and and then you know dealing with setting up a practice and Medicare and yeah, so it was just it's so it was a constant asking questions and getting help and um, but I, I started from from zero. I do think you're right with that starting a business. There's it's almost like this mountain. I remember starting. I've started a couple of businesses, but just the the sheer sort of like mountain that's in front of you in terms yeah. of the paperwork. And I find anything to do with tax terrifying. I'll mess up on that one. So like just any of that registration is terrifying. Yeah. How did you get through that or get over that? So look, I have a very close personal friend who's a financial planner, but very, yeah, so very much um, over all of that. And she was actually the one who's been encouraging me to go down this path for the last few years. So she um, helped me along. So she would put me in contact with whoever I needed. She'd help me out as well. Uh, so she was uh, amazing to have. And she's still she's still there. She's still present. Her yeah. So she was always able to to put me in contact with the right person. And you know, and if they weren't, then find someone else. So. Mm. Yeah. I always think there's always YouTube and Google to learn from as well. I'm, I always learn from those. I start there, get the the language, for example, and then I oh, can yeah. feel like I know something, and then I can talk to whoever. Then I need to go to a friend or a mentor, or yeah. just the bank or whatever. Well, and I'm still go- in that process. Like I'm no. still still learning and still, you know, uh, uh, I'm. I feel like I've just got the bare bones of everything and. And I feel like there's this next step to to happen in terms of knowledge and progression. 
And then based on your competence, sorry, and confidence as an athlete, you know, you've done world championships, triathlons, you know, you've you put in so much effort into learning how to swim brilliantly. And I'm presuming that's open water as well as, you know, just yeah. in the pool. Like taking how confident and competent you are at athleticism and triathlons were you conscious of taking anything that's sort of inside you to be like come on Carolyn you've you can swim you know across a bay probably shark infested you can do triathlons you can do world championships take something from that into setting up a business were you conscious of doing that so I suppose the one thing that I always come back to is I went into an Ironman race, uh, so that's very, you know, it's a very long race, so it's 4K swim, 180K bike ride and then a marathon, so 42Ks. I went into that with having not been able to run for quite a number of weeks with a sore foot and so this is <laughs> this is not, not great, uh, great advice to anyone, um, but I, I rested for the whole time and I thought I'll be okay on the day. And uh, so, you know, swim and bike went well and then the run that saw put by 5Ks um, was unbearable. And so I completed the 42Ks in an, in a zone that, that um, I can't even tell you where I went. I had, I had a fractured foot. So when I got back to Australia, um, basically the, the next day when I got an MRI, and and there was a fracture there and I sort of you know my harder parts are probably new so to have done 42ks on a fractured foot after that I always said because then after that I couldn't walk I was in a wheelchair and I saw a foot surgeon he said you, you'll never run again that's what I was told and but I so I always go back to that I do go back to that and I say if I could do that if I could run if I I wouldn't even call it running um, but if I could shuffle 42Ks, um, I could do anything. Oh, on a broken foot, I could do anything. So, but not to be recommended. <laughs> oh, my God. That <laughs> not to be recommended. Insane. It was horrible. Yeah. I was even I was so scared to look at my foot um, that night. And, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. So, And how long were you off then running or out of running? So, of course, then I put my whole integrative hat on and and I did all the right things you know I rested probably for uh for complete rest probably for eight weeks but I you know I was supposed to be in a boot for eight weeks but because I uh, you know I just have a mind body approach to things I was in the boot for four and I was walking on it um after four weeks so and then then probably got back into running after the eight weeks so um but then very gently so since then, uh, took it easy um, and then took a very relaxed approach probably and then COVID hit. Um, so that I sort of continued my relaxed approach and then um, but I fired up again probably in the last year. So I always I can go back to that, but the but it's a, it's amazing. I, I don't in this space of running a business, I don't bring that same uh, to it. I don't. You know, there's still the fear, there's still just so much. It's just something that, you know, I've always been sporty, but I've never been businessy. So <laughs> so this is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm learning all this now. So it's like skiing. If you don't ski when you're young, it's very unlikely mm -hmm. to be able to be brilliant or, you know, um, pick it up easily. So I'm still in a very baby stage. 
Well, let's just rewind. I was going to say a long way, but that didn't want that sound rude. But to before you really got into medicine, I met lots of GPs, got a couple of GP mates in the UK. They knew from, you know, the year they can remember that they wanted to get into medicine. Was that the same for you? Yeah, it was. I had I just had an interest in the human body um, and, you know, I used to read little things here and there. And uh, Yes, I did. And, you know, I went to a very underprivileged school, you'd call it. it was it, like I could have applied for extra marks because it was considered to be a disadvantaged school. Um and that didn't stop me. I just I always knew that I would, and I did. I, I got in um, without even having to apply. So, and that was I. I remember it was actually, and I always um, like I told my kids about this about the power of visual, visualization. So I didn't even know what I was doing, but I used to picture myself. So I didn't know what Melbourne Uni looked like, but I always used to picture myself walking down the steps of Melbourne Uni, you know, doing medicine. And yeah, and that's what happened. Right. I was going to add that because it sounds like you're very purpose driven. So, you, you know, you you didn't re- you knew you liked the human body, but then you had the purpose that you are, I'm going to be a GP or get into medicine. I'd say they're probably the same with your sport. You know, you probably really you're like my purpose. Oh, not maybe my purpose. My my mission is I'm going to complete an Ironman, etc. And also yeah. with your business, you've clearly driven but you called it visualization. Yes. Yes. So how do you, how, do, how does that come about? What do you do? What's your process? So you, cause sometimes you get caught in the negative or in the lack of what you want. So, you know, I don't want this or I don't want that, but then you get more of what you don't want. So, you know, I, I always catch myself early about what is it that I want. And once I do that, and you know that's a daily thing. Sometimes is is that you can get back into the into the negative of of oh, I don't want you know I don't want all this paperwork whatever. So you you so then I start to visualize what it is I what it is I do want. Sometimes I write it down and I read it over and over, and sometimes I write it down and don't read it and then come back to it later, which is which is what happened here with the business. But um, yeah, I will just visualize, and it's often after meditation. So that's probably the best time when your brain uh, is most receptive to visualization and affirmations is after meditation. Yeah, so it's just sort of plants the seed. And do you do a particular type of meditation? Just breathing, just breathing, okay. and sometimes it's good. So it's just you know allowing it's concentrating on the breath and and hopefully quite quietening the mind um but often not um but i think the value in meditation is just by trying it's just by doing it and it doesn't matter if the thoughts are still coming and going because eventually you know you do get a bit more mastery over that but but yeah it's it's just the breath and allowing the thoughts to pass through not hanging on to any of those thoughts Mm. that's my meditation but that that definitely takes practice. You, you know, you sort of get used to it after a while, allowing the thought to come in and to yes. go out, and yeah. to then focus yeah. on the breathing or yeah. The so it's always coming back. It's always always coming back to the breath, and it's yeah, it is practice, and um, and it's you know, it's boring. You know, I consider it boring. You, you just see the benefits. Once you see the benefits, then you know, you know that you you'd be um, mad not to do it. Well, let's just talk about, we'll just go back again as well um, to your medical career. And you said you worked for 
parents or somebody for a large part of your career. So what yes. what was the point where you were like, actually, now is the time I want to set up my own business? Well, it's sort of it's been a very gradual process and it sort of was happening without me knowing. So yeah, I worked for so I started I basically practiced um, most of my career at the place where I trained. So I continued from there. And then later in my career, I because I, I practiced medicine a bit differently to others and and especially you know to to my colleagues. And it was once I uh, so someone who was on the board of of a integrative medical um, practice um, in Melbourne. Uh, he was on the board there and he came to see me as a patient. And he said, oh, you'd be a perfect fit. He goes, why don't you go over um, and have a chat to them? So I did. I, I rang and it ended up being, so the founder of, it's called Nim. The founder is someone who, he's he's in his 80s and he he had trained me when I was a student. And, and I remember being in awe of him. So he was a cancer surgeon and was talking about integrative medicine in our morning sessions. and. Uh, so we, we had a chat and I think, you know, I passed the test and then, so I worked there alongside my job. Um, and then, and then an opportunity came with medicinal cannabis because that was all, um, starting up. So I trained in that. And then, so I was running those three different jobs at once. Uh, and then COVID hit and it, it sort of, it changed a lot of the landscape of medicine and, and then look, life conspired. To, to leave me here so mm. yeah and it, eventually it was like you know <laughs> knocking, <laughs> knocking me on the head and shaking me and saying do it so yeah there was no escape you had yeah, to do it yeah so just to explain to me what is integrative health and how does that differ from me just going to my GP down the road how does what's the difference so integrative health is you know the, the traditional definition is it's a, a blend of mainstream and complementary and alternative medicine it's whole patient medicine and so you're using all of that in terms of assessing and managing patient so that yeah that's that's the traditional so for me it's just so yes I do all of that but it's just being broad thinking it's it's thinking outside the square it's it's thinking on your toes and not just necessarily thinking inside the square that you were, you know, because the way that we're taught is very, very limited, very black and white. So I suppose it's using life <laughs> and um, and many aspects and thinking about things differently. Yeah, so it, it I suppose the difference is if you come with an issue, rather than me get, grabbing my script pad and just saying, here you go, and that'll fix that, and it'll, you know, often it'll only fix it temporarily, it's actually say, asking the question, so, why have you presented with this now and then going five, ten steps beneath that? So, so, and then looking for other signs of, of manifestations of why that's happened. And then, so, so this doesn't happen again. And, you know, what would be the, uh, I suppose the consequences in the future if you continue, you know, your, your, the lifestyle that you're, that you're conducting now, um, that's resulting in this. What, what what are the consequences in the future? And so involving the patient in that thinking. Um, and so some, you know, I mean, obviously people are choosing me for that. But back in mainstream medical practice, it's it's about, you know, being both offering those thoughts and some people are open to them and want to explore them and other people, you know, and are not because, mm. you know, it's 
it, it it's often takes a lot of effort to to change some deep-seated lifestyle practices so you're seeing a different type of patient in many ways so rather than one that comes to you because they just want their whatever it is fixed they're coming well they're choosing to come to you because of your style of medicine yeah but they're also probably looking for you to talk through some of those root causes and go a bit deeper than than just the oh you've got a rash let's fix the rash Yeah. You're looking at what are some of the causes of that, whether that's stress, whether that's diet, you know, all those sorts of elements or an actual irritant. Yeah. Yeah. And they've usually failed. They've usually end of the line. They've usually seen several doctors, several specialists, tried, you know, many things. And that's why they come to see me. So, you know, we work through and, you know, stuff that maybe they've never been asked before. Because I often think when you get, when I've been to a GP, and this is only my view, is and this is in the traditional medicine they're almost steering me towards a medication but yeah so they've got this medication in their mind oh Vanessa needs this tablet or this cream or whatever it is and so I often feel like I'm being guided to a prescription rather than actually let's look at what's going on in that whole me yeah because it's easy um and something and you know and I suppose the way that the medical system you know this is a whole other a, a whole separate argument about the way that the medical system is set up how it's um you know funded and um, what people's expectations are and fits in that in that setup in that model. So that's what that's why I pretty much could only do this outside of that system um, because you know you do need you need you do need more time, and for more time you need to put up your prices. So that's so, some people understand that and some people don't. So you know I've had the question you know do you bulk bill you know and and why your prices higher than a normal gp and so i'll gently explain that that it's it's a different it's a different mm. it's it's a, it's a different headspace it's a different service and and i i necessarily don't necessarily want to keep seeing you on a regular basis i want to fix you and you know see you later and that um you've just brought something into my head around it's a service and i mean have you ever thought of it like when you were in like the traditional medical route it was more of a not a sausage factory, but you know, you probably are every 15 minutes you're seeing someone. Do you see that now what you're doing is bespoke and therefore you've had to adjust your type of service and the customer approach? Does that mean that's maybe not customer, but oh, client yeah, approach? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, very much so. And it's been good for me because I was on autopilot. I, I was, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my throughput was phenomenal. So I could see a lot of patients because I had very good diagnostic skills and I, I, can speak very fast and do everything very quickly, very efficient. So I, I was, I'm a very good sausage baker, but you know, get the job done. But in terms of, uh, you know, the connection and in terms of the heart of it, it, you know, I, I, I'm, I'll admit I was losing that. So this has been really a great thing for me to get all of that back and, and. And when you last, when you you left your last job and you were like, right, your integrated health is now up and running, did you already have clients or did you have to go through the business building development phase? Yeah, so I'm, and I'm still there. So, yes, so I people are finding me and people have found me um, through many different means um, and I'm, I'm amazed at how resourceful people are. But um, it's been like so many different ways. You know, I made an A-frame. Um, I wasn't turning up on Google, so and that only happened very recently. So 
and then I, I recently I recently did Facebook ad just and I've targeted so I thought all my old patients they'll be able to see where I am. Yeah, it's just been it's been a mixed bag of how but so yes, um no, I didn't really have patients to pull in. No, so I start I started from scratch, basically. And have you have you got to grips with social media and all the videos no, and posting? So so that's my next thing and I probably still think I need help with that that's you know that's the next thing and you know I've made I have got a little video there waiting um so I've just got to I need to talk to someone about what's the best uh way because I know all these things that there's there's knowledge and thinking behind it and a strategy so which Mm. again is not part of my brain space and who is your ideal patient so it's not any particular gender it's not any particular age or stage it can be anyone so it can be child uh adult it's so my ideal patient is is that you are motivated to look at your lifestyle in order to optimize your health and um and that's that's our starting point and I'm yeah. guessing you need them to be open-minded. So yeah. do your patients come to you already in that space, like I'm open-minded, or do you take yeah. them through that journey? Of- so this is different now. So where, when I was in mainstream medical practice, um, it was like that, but now people are pretty much coming to me because of that, and it's all, there's a lot of word of mouth. And so, you know, someone will say, oh, well, you know, this is how she thinks. And so, so no, people are already coming to me like that now. So where does medicinal cannabis fit in with your career when did you start to really understand the benefits of it and how do you use it in your net business now yeah so medicinal cannabis is um so that 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 sort of started it was just a it should have been a logical a logical sort of step being an integrative doctor especially where I was working at NIM they actually are involved in crediting doctors for medicinal cannabis and but I never really I don't know what I just never really got into it and I never just didn't even show any interest in it and then um I just received a phone call when I was there one day from a company that was starting up and so they're a clinic dispensary sort of education platform set up and they they were looking for doctors um so they the person that was doing their marketing um knew me um so they rang me and said are you interested and I said yeah right. So I just um so I received the training and and I just as soon as I've started to learn about it, I went, oh wow, this is this is amazing. So then worked in a dedicated clinic as well as using it in my practice. So I, I got a lot of experience. Um, when you work in a dedicated clinic, you just you get a lot of experience with it, and and also train doctors in it and. So the way it fits in with me now is so people either come requesting it because they've, you know, they've tried everything else for their condition, they've heard that it may help, or someone has recommended me, like say, because there's some dispensaries around that that specialise in dispensing medicinal cannabis, so they'll suggest me. And occasionally I'll suggest it to someone um, if I think it's it's valid, Um, but usually people come to me um, requesting it and most of the time they've done their research that they know that it's appropriate yeah so wh- yeah. when is it appropriate to use cannabis or medicinal um, cannabis I should say yeah yeah 
Um, so, uh, yeah, medicinal cannabis is appropriate when, so it needs to be a qualifying condition and the, a list of those conditions is on um, the TGA website. You've tried you've tried the standard approved options, be they, you know, medical, surgical, allied health therapies, and they either haven't worked or you haven't tolerated them or had side effects. Um, and then, yeah, so you, you're still left with your symptoms and then that's where this unapproved option of medicinal cannabis becomes relevant. But there's so much misinformation or probably not a lot of information about this. Or, I mean, prove me wrong. Is that, I mean, if I were to go to Google now, would I find out a lot about med- medicinal cannabis? Yeah, so there, there, look, there is. There's a lot of unreliable information there. And but see, the, the, the issue with that, is because of the restrictions on being able to discuss it, say from my perspective or a pharmacist or a cannabis company. So all of the conversation is being had by by lay people, which is unfortunate. So so I understand why I'm not allowed to promote an unapproved medication or a pharmacist a pharmacy can't. So I understand that, but then this is what we're left with. We're left with, you know, all the conversation being steered by by lay people so if i come to you then i have to request this do i or do you would you then i mean you would have to um prescribe it can you recommend it or do people have to come and be like i've read about it and it helps with this yeah no no i can recommend it as well so if so if i so more often than not people have already come to they've they've already realized that this is an option and um and it's a you know it, it's a relevant option for them and they come requesting it and I've actually got uh, my appointments are set up as either medicinal cannabis or integrative general practice but I mean it doesn't matter because at the end of the day I'm going to assess you in the same way or if someone comes to me say as you know they're coming to me with medical condition in an integrative GP consult and and I assess everything and then I'll think oh well maybe medicinal cannabis is an option and I'll say have you ever thought about medicinal cannabis that's something that definitely happens yeah Mm. I mentioned in the intro that you specialize in women's health was that just something that your career took you down or was that a choice (laughs) it was actually it's funny you ask that question because it's something my career took me down so I so when I Oh, uh, this is a, I always laugh about this because I love women's health but if you'd asked me at the start of my career what I thought about women's health I said there's, oh, there's no way I'm going to be a, you know a, a women's health doctor um, because I was a bit of a tomboy and back in the day before I had kids I didn't really resonate with the lady thing and you know and the thing that really clinched it for me was was when um I was training in general practice and one of the lecturers was saying all of you females you're just going to be the tears and sneers doctors and so I went there's no way I'm being a tears and sneers doctor and um she said all the women just come to women for you know they cry and they want their pap smears and I was well, it's not going to be my career. So I went into, you know, general practice with, well, you know, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be a women's health doctor. So I've started general practice. Well, I've, I've trained in general practice and about a month before my exam, I got pregnant. And then, yeah, I was working in general practice and it was amazing how becoming a mother changed everything and then this bond happened with women uh, and I was I was I was actually a bit 
perturbed by what I would what I had said to women before I had kids. I just thought because I thought I knew it all and I knew nothing. Yeah, I think yeah, it just sort of changed my brain in a way. Um, and and then especially looking after women, you know, from generation to generation, that's been beautiful. So being involved in that over 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 time. So yeah, so I didn't start out with that intention though. And through your career then, have you seen a shift in the way that women's health and their different needs has changed? Is it is it more, I don't know, what's the word, acceptable or mainstream? Is or is it just it's just a body and it's the same thing? I don't know. Give me your professional experience um, of women's health. Think I think women are now becoming more aware of the of, of an integrative sort of approach. So they're learning that there's more out there than than just the mainstream approach. So that's one thing I think women more so than men. So they come to you often. So I even noticed that in you know before I've started this business that they do come to you asking about certain things, you know, and asking about different options and. Um, and they've and they've done a bit of reading behind. So I think that that's been definitely a progression that um, women are becoming more aware of what's out there, and so they ex- they have often explored the other types of therapies. But I I suppose the one thing that's stayed the same is this image this this issue with women's it always comes back to sort of body image and eating and and that's just been the constant throughout and you know often always it's always an issue underneath for for many women so how can people find you particularly the melbourneian based people but how can people find you on the internet or physically oh yeah so um so i'm in mooney ponds in just outside of probably a few cases outside the cbd and I'm on, uh, so people can book through my website, so uh, yih.com.au. All right. And I'll put all those details in the show notes. So if anybody wants to understand a little, more, a little bit more about integrative health and to understand a bit more about Carolyn's background and how they can access Carolyn and everything that she has to offer, then I'll put those in the show notes and people can reach out to you well Carolyn thank you so much for being on the show but before we wrap up I just want to ask this one final question so what's your one piece of advice to women around building confidence or maintaining confidence and it could be from any part of your life I suppose if if I put it through my glasses it's letting go of what other people think of you and because if you let go of other people's opinions, then you're more likely to go stand in your truth and follow your path. I've often asked that question and I would say it's my last question. And then the, the guest says something. I'm like, I'm away now for another half an hour. But, I, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'll, I'll wrap up here and say thank you very much for being on the show, Carolyn. Thanks so much. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you.